Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk, coming to you today from the Triscoll Arts Centre in Cork with thanks to our friends at Marks and Spencers, a part of News Talk's summer tour. We are joined on the stage by Fanula Jones, Brian Lloyd, and Mick O'Connell for our Movies and Booze. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, everybody. This is just a weekend, free weekend home for Fanula. Yup, Cork. Yup, Love Cork. it. How often do you come home? Not enough. Not enough, Ooh, I'll tell you that. Oh, answer. I try and come down like once a month, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not enough. Yeah. And do you manage them once a month? Mm, probably like every six weeks. It's probably closer to. Okay. My parents are sobbing, sobbing okay. thinking about it. Well, do you remember we were here before? Yeah. How many times have you been down since then? None. I love you, Cork. Forgive me, please. Yeah, and your parents were here the last time. They were, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they've, no. Oh, they have a prior engagement, so they couldn't make it to the Ooh, one, so, excuse yeah. me. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Joneses. You're too fancy. <laughs> so uh, today, Mick, we're, it's, it's all rosés? All rosés, yeah. It's, I, I mean, the weather requires it. It's summer season, so okay. we're, we're, we're thinking pink. We've got Vino Verde, so one from Portugal. We've got one from Provence in the south of France, and then we've got one from South Australia. Okay, so no boy drinks. Um... <laughs> Ha, ha, so. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> ha, have you not heard about brosé? <laughs> no. no. No, no. Is that really it? Yeah. The three of us will talk about it after we yeah. go off air. Okay. Bro- I'm a bro. bro. Surely, yeah. no? Bro. Me and the lads. <laughs> How baffling. The two movies today, Brian, uh, are, they are not rubbish for a change. No, they're not. They're actually pretty good. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is the new uh, animated Spider-Man film. The previous one won an Oscar, so that's mm. pretty good. And then the other one is Reality, which is this political drama slash thriller, but it's set all in one room, and it's very, very disturbing. Now, is this, is this based on a... On a- a true based story. on a true story. And, a, and it's the transcript of actually what happened. Exactly, that's it, yeah. It was basically, the entire script is verbatim, the FBI transcript of what happened, which you'd kind of think is like phoning it in for the writer. It's yeah. just like, yep, copy and paste, done. But um, they do a lot more with it in terms of like how it's kind of filmed and all the rest of it. The way that Sidney Sweeney plays it as well is very kind of like, the camera is like literally right here. So like you see every like twitch and twi- twitch and, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, in their eyeballs. Yeah, stuff. in our eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. see it all. So it's very good. Yeah, okay, good stuff. And now, um, Kim Cattrall is coming back to the Sex and the City thing. Yeah, and for one she, night only. But didn't she hate them all? Yeah, hell has frozen over. Like, it's amazing what you can do when you just keep adding zeros to a number, you know what right. I mean? Right, okay. Um, yeah, so she's coming back to the second season of And Just Like That, which was like HBO's revival of Sex and the City, but it wasn't really Sex and the City. It's like, obviously, they're much older and Cattrall wouldn't come back, so they were kind of bulking out the cast with these... Other characters that seem to prove very divisive, and by that I mean Che, for anyone who's watched, you know, uh, like Miranda's kind of new lover who's also, like, does a podcast. I don't know, people were not very on board with that character. Um, did she did not like the additional character, because I thought they added them in because they suddenly realised, oh my God, this, this was made whenever many years well, ago, it's just all white people. Yeah, there was no a, other than white people There was a bit of that as well, and I think, look, depends on who you ask, some people were like, I love it, I love being back with the girls, and like, the fashion is still there, that's all I kind of watch for, and then you speak to other people, and they're like, I hate this, I cannot go back, I can't get on board with the second season. So the second season actually premiered this month so I'm wondering were they just like on to Kim to be like 
please come back. We need you. We need the buzz of you coming back. Because when this came out, like Variety broke this news, this was everywhere. I saw this on every Instagram story from everyone. She's confirmed it herself now. She shared the Variety article and said, happy pride. She's doing it for the the girls and the gays, probably. Um, But yeah, as you said, she'd basically said before that she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do a third movie because she felt the script didn't do enough for her character. And then she'd obviously fallen out with Sarah Jessica Parker, who plays Carrie. Um, And like it basically seemed like she was never, ever, ever going to come back. But she is back for this season for one scene. And I think she appears like in a phone conversation with Carrie Bradshaw. One scene? Yeah, this is the thing. Like she didn't actually have to (laughs) film with the gals at all. Didn't have to film with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Didn't have to film with the team. Uh, So the end of the first season, and just like that, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like, Carrie and, uh, Carrie and Samantha have kind of drifted apart and all their conversations are being carried out over text. And at the end of the first season, it's like Carrie's going to meet up with her to kind of try and reconcile. So I don't know if it's going to be a thing of like, they have reconciled and they're having a phone conversation where they're just fully like pretending to talk to each other, but they're not, like they're just talking to all. It's very funny. Um, but yeah, her scene is expected to air towards the end of the season. So it'll be like August. But the new season premieres June 22nd. So That's completely mad. They invented a number for her, I'd say. Like I said this oh, on my Instagram, yeah. they, like, like Zega million euro. And Cottrell was like, cool. And I admire it, you know. She held out until Fair the money games. was right. Like, yeah. Zega million. Yeah. That's it. I am not familiar with that. We number. love entrepreneurs, girls. Yes. That's all I'll say. We do. Yes. Love the scream. Right. So tell us about uh, Brose then, Mick. So the first one we have today is Vino Verde. So this is a wine that's pretty famous as a white, and, and it translates as the green wine of Portugal, but it's actually it's a mm. region in northern Portugal, um, and, and a pretty lush green region. It's Atlantic-facing, so it's a, a little bit like being in Cork, really. Um, I, I mean, Especially today. Especially today. Yeah. You get the Have sun. you noticed that, like, because I was looking at the weather forecast today, and, there, and like, it's obviously sunny uh, on, across Britain and Ireland, but there's a few shadows here and there, and it's like God aimed the sun directly at Cork City. <laughs> it's really strange. He, he knows that there'd be no yeah. one in mass. They have such pull him. here, it's unbelievable. They, yeah. It's the People's Republic. Yeah. Guys, one thing, though, uh, the, the people in the audience will see that I am literally dripping with sweat. Could you sort out the, the disc thing on the parking? God almighty, if I have to run across town. Jeepers. Anyway, Vino Verde. Um, so this particular one, it's pink, obviously, so it's using a little bit of red grapes, but also some white grapes, like Alvarino. So you have a really crisp kind of style here. A little bit of spritz. If any of you are familiar with one of the most famous rosé brands of them all, which is Mateus, or Matthews Rosé as we call it, the iconic one, there's, there's some nods of affirmation in the audience here. Some people, some people spent university days yeah. on the Matthews Rosé. Candle in the bottle. Candle yeah. in the bottle afterwards. They were the height, yeah. the height of notions. Um, but yeah, this is, this is light, it's 11%, so it's a breakfast one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely perfect. Yeah. Um, and it is literally made for, for weather like this. Um, 11%, slightly fizzy, so kind of feels like it is that bit of a, of a, of a party wine. But then it, you guys have it in the glass. Can you taste that kind of boiled sweet thing that's going on? It's like strawberries and cream. Mm. Um, so it, it's, while it is quite a dry style of wine, unlike Matthew's Rosé, which is quite sweet, this is, this is a drier style, but it's, it's got that sweet fruitiness, and it's quite good fun. Yeah, yeah you, but you, you wouldn't have it with your dinner, or would you? 
depends on what you're having. I suppose for, for me, this is a pre-dinner, ice cold, out of the ice bucket, mm. overlooking, as I am just at the moment, Ballycotton. It's beautiful. Not, not right now, I should say. Clearly, I'm here. But, but we, we've also done the weekend down, and I'm in Ballycotton, and it's fantastic. So we'll be taking all the ends of this home. <laughs> right, okay. So if you don't drain the glass, just bring it up to Mick at the end of the evening. Just pour it all into one uh, pint glass. Pour it straight into his mouth. <laughs> yeah. It's in a big pot. So is Ryan Gosling's too old to play Ken well, in the Barbie movie, they're saying. This is the eternal debate. So he is 42, right? And when he was initially kind of cast and the posters came out, there was this rife debate over, over whether he was too old to play Ken, who I cannot stress enough is like a doll, right? So don't actually really know why we're getting caught up in the ages here at all, but there was a New York Post article that went out that said Gen Z Barbie fans slammed for calling Ryan Gosling too old to play Ken. Like, depending on what pocket of the internet you're on, people are either vehemently like, he's perfect, or he's old and haggard and we want a younger Ken. But the thing about the Barbie movie is, is that there's also loads of Kens. There's also lots of, di- we're going to yeah. see different iterations of the Ken. Uh, but he's come out and said, like, uh, if people don't want to play with my Ken, there are many other Kens to play with. <laughs> <laughs> but he also, he made, like, he made a great point that it's like, what, I don't know why people are like pearl clutching about it. It's kind of pearl clutching idea of like, hashtag not my Ken. Like you ever thought about Ken before this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's just like, also he's 42. He's not like, as much as I love the reverse, like, ageism against men because all the women have put up with it so often like love that girls but at the same time like it's a doll you know what I mean it's, yeah. it's fine and I think he's from the little I've seen of it I'm confident he's gonna he's gonna pull off just that wide-eyed nothing behind the eyes I, well I um, think he will be able to I just how old is, would you think Barbie is then Oh. No well, see, Margot Robbie's in her 30s, but okay. then I don't know how, like, how old is Barbie? You know what I mean? Yeah, she's... Is she eternal, though? Isn't that the whole thing? That, like, she's yeah. made of plastic and fantastic, so it's just, it's just crystallised so in no history. Like, yeah. you know? I don't know. But, yeah, he, was, he did this in an interview with GQ because he's doing the promotion of it. And, yeah. yeah I can't wait. All so the, oh, uh, do we know all the other Kens? Are they younger Kens, older Kens? Well, like, we have, like, uh, Simi Liu, uh, Shuti Gatwa. There's a, a few more. Like, they would, they're all younger than Ryan Gosling. But, like, I don't know, again, how old they're supposed to be in, like, Barbie. Like, the whole... What we're being led to believe about the plot of the Barbie movie is is that Barbie kind of wakes up one morning and realises she's a doll and then has to go to the real world and kind of figure out whether she wants to be in the real world or whether she wants to stay a doll. And she's, like, questioning her existence. Like, there's a scene in the trailer where they're all, like, My doing God, a dance party thing. Barbie. No, fully. Yeah. They're, like, at a dance yeah. party thing. And then she's like, do you ever think about dying? And then the music, music stops and Just- all the other Barbies are like... Why would you ever think about dying? We're Barbies. This is an eternal, blissful life. So I don't know. Like, like, how old is a how old is a Barbie? How old is again? I'm told that when she was first made, Barbie was supposed to be 19. Right. Okay. Fair enough. So I think, yeah, uh, that means Ryan Gosling is Barbie's dad. (laughs) (laughs) You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We do have to take a break. Back in a couple of minutes. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. You've just been listening to the actual reason we came to Cork, uh, because after a gap of many years, we're delighted to have the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble back in the show. They are playing in the Pavilion venue in Cork tonight, uh, and the Well in Dublin tomorrow. And also, we're particularly grateful that, like, literally, they just got off a plane and came straight here uh, to play for us. We really do appreciate that. Bit of a theme, actually, because we had uh, the, the frames on. Well, was we running last time? Yeah, no, I think you were a bit more comfortable the last time. It was in the, it was in the sugar club the last few times. Yeah, I remember, like, yeah. we usually set it up, like, we're independent, so we set it up to, if we can, if we have a month tour, 
that's every day a show. Yeah. Like we just got off stage last night in um, Katowice, was it? Katowice, yeah. Poland. Yeah, but we happy to be here, man. We can't wait to get back to Ireland every time we come. Man. Yeah, yeah. Glad to hear that. We were, talking, we were talking to uh, uh, two members of the Frames at the start of the show. They both started off as buskers. Ye all started off as buskers as well, didn't you? No, we actually yeah. didn't. People don't notice. Ah. We started out as the Phil Coran Youth Ensemble. Right. Yeah, that's your dad. A lot of yeah. you, right. Yeah. We played as children. In our house, you played for dinner. Yeah. So it's different than guys who, like, actually, you meet as friends. Tell them how many kids in your family? We reformed the band <laughs> under our own leadership yeah. okay. later, but it was under our dads at first. Yeah, okay. So it's yeah. just like our version of it. The, le- the continuation of the legacy. We the sequel. Yeah. So to answer your question, that's 15 boys and seven girls. Wow. And everybody plays an instrument? What's the question? Yeah, it was how many kids, yeah. Uh, uh, Does everybody play an instrument? uh, Yeah, but see, you have to realize, too, the the family, the bros in our household, these are the ones who grew up in the household. Now, see, we have uh, some of my friends called our Irish family, where our pops was married. Uh, multiple times, and, every, and he's a jazz. Give it to uh, Phil Coran right quick. He's a jazz great. He felt like yeah, any, of, any of his children would get his greatest um, knowledge that he could impart, and that was music. So it was a part of the household. But us, we were the first ones that he taught music collectively. Like we grew up playing as a band. All of us ah. have played with different musicians, but mostly for our whole life, we have been our co. Uh, our band partners or whatever, co-musicians. Yeah, right, okay. And so when you, 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 you kind of reformed as, uh, you know, took charge of your own uh, music and you started busking, where did you used to busk? Anywhere where it was people with ears. Like yeah. we, I mean, we tried it on the South Side, we tried it on 125th in Harlem, anywhere. We found places that worked with commercial centers were better because it gathered bigger uh, crowds. We do, we do a whole, um, documentary or a lesson about how to get the best out of a public audience yeah you know what i mean but uh our attitude was anywhere there were people with ears was our stage and we were going to excel on that stage until they wanted to bring us to other stages yeah it seemed it worked out and and how did that happen that you got onto other stages well we really we we make money like if you're talking practically like say we played in chicago on the streets and made 300 bucks Instead of putting it in our pocket, we'd take 300 bucks and go to New Orleans with it on the weekend and then make $3,000. And then we'd take, instead of breaking that down, take a thousand of that and go to New York the next month. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Same as anybody else running their business, but the product is the sound. Yeah, you know the product I mean? certainly is the sound. Right, okay, before we let you go, because I know you're all tired, you've, you've put in a lot of travel, would you give us uh, one more tune, uh, please? Uh, yeah, uh, let's, we're going to play Coffee, Coffee off the new album. Hypnotic got a new album coming out. We always, the reason we're in Ireland now, specifically now, is because we always, when we write new music, we want to try it out in front of certain audiences around the world. Sincere audiences, you know what I mean, that, that get what we do and that are honest with us about it and that we can get that feedback and build the tone. Yeah. And so we're going to play something from the new record. Um, the last one was from the latest record, Hypnotic Joints 2. This one is from Coffee. It's just feel good music. It's continuing the long, long legacy of Miles Davis. Yeah. Cool. Making jazz cool again, turning it into something yeah. else. Yeah. All right.
go, everywhere we go, people wanna party with the bros, party with the bros, party with the bros, party, party with the bros, everywhere we go, everywhere we go, everywhere we go, everywhere we go, people wanna party with the bros, party, party with the bros, party with the bros, party with the bros, everywhere we go, everywhere we go, everywhere we go. From their new album, Coffee, that's the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. You could do your ears a favour. Go to see them in the Pavilion in Cork tonight and the, uh, and the Well in Dublin tomorrow night. That's the place in Stevens Green Shopping Centre. And uh, lovely to have you here. Great to see you. Thanks a million lads for coming. Thanks a million lads for coming. Uh, that went round rather well uh, with the audience, I think. Uh, in, in, uh, while uh, the lads are getting themselves uh, uh, de-rigged and all the rest of it, tell us about our second wine, uh, the rosé. I have to be the one. You have to follow, follow the hypnotic brass ensemble. Somebody, somebody Going to, to the least cool man <laughs> yeah. of the room. That's not a wise. Okay, so we're on to um, Provence rosé. So this is this is the rosé of the hour. It is Whispering Angel. It is Miraval. It is Brangelina. It's Domain Art. This is the Marks and Spencers version of it. Great, great value. This is thirteen fifty, where all those big names are twenty five, thirty euros. Um, bone dry, crisp slightly kind of herbal in style and this is this is the classic of the south of france so just to, a bit on how rosé is made they use red grapes so inside red grapes they get they have white flesh they squish them they only leave them in contact for a tiny 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 few hours and that's what gives you this really really pale color um, if if they had let these are grenache grapes if they had let it in contact longer you'd end up with a red wine so here you have that really pale, dry style, and this is the classic of Provence. Oh, it is of, very dry, yeah. Provence. yeah. So, so this is the brosé one. Okay, all the, right. This is the one that, you know, you have to have Instagram, like, hashtags and stuff to make a brand these days. And clearly the people who are making kind of the likes of Whispering Angel and stuff, they've got a couple of quid behind them mm. and are spending heavily on, on, on doing good marketing, but, but certainly on... They, what do they call it? Hamptons rainwater or something? I, oh, I, gosh. I, I, not, obviously, I'm not a Hamptons person. But... Yeah, yeah you are. You, you could be. Ah, like, I could yeah. be. The, yeah. the Irish version. Bayside. Yeah. Bayside. Yeah. Bayside. <laughs> By the sea. Yeah. We live in the Irish Hamptons. <laughs> the, uh, and the thing is, though, like, say, Whispering Angel, it's a bit like Cloudy Bay. You know, the kind of... Is it that much better? But they, they managed to create this kind of buzz and maybe retain, you know, hold back stocks of people, you know... They, fighting each other to get bottles of it. They, they kind of market like a luxury product and they do it very, very, very well. It's the same with, it's the same with Champagne. With Whispering Angel, is it a little bit better? I mean, they've invested heavily in the winery. They do make a very, very good wine. So is it a bit better? That's, that's up, to, up to you guys. Yeah. 13 50, you could drink two of these. This can be your lunch after your breakfast of Vino Verde. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you can have two bottles at lunch, as everyone knows. So. Yeah. You're on your way to your five a day then. Exactly. Uh, really. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So the, uh, the, there are IMAX film prints of Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. 
uh, are 11 miles long. What, yeah. what does that even mean? This, okay, this is nuts, right? So Christopher Nolan's upcoming Oppenheimer movie about the uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer leaving the Manhattan Project, inventing the atom bomb to end World War II. Uh, Kelly Murphy is in it. Again, Yup Cork. Um, that is coming out very soon. It's coming out in July. It's going to be competing with Barbie, very interestingly. It's Christopher Nolan's... Uh, <laughs> Not really. I with, no, I t I'm telling you, if you look online, it's like, which are you going to? Are you going to Barbie? Are you going to Oppenheimer? Like, that's the great debate here. Wow. Some people are going to go do a double feature, you know, start with Barbie, yeah. Oppenheimer then, you know. Anyway, I'll be very interested. I will see you all in the cinema July 21st. Uh, anyway, uh, it, they've uh, officially rated it or It's his longest movie today as well. It's just shy of three hours. Um, but because of the way he films it, so he films it on, like, large format film cameras, right? So the IMAX reels, like, so the actual reel of film that, like, nobody sees when you go to the cinema and you get your popcorn because it's obviously behind the screen. The equivalent of that, so that, as you said, it's 11 miles of film long, which is 17 Irish kilometres. So that's roughly from here in the Triscoll to my childhood home. Nobody worked that out in maps because we we're not prepared for visitors, but that's how, long, <laughs> that's how long the film runs for and weighs something like £600. Like, it's the actual volume of film is not. And like he said, he shot it this way because it's the optimal way to, like, enjoy it or whatever but it, like it's funny like this specific 70 millimeter uh, IMAX film is only going to be available in like 25 cinemas in the states we're not even going to be able to we'll be able to see it in IMAX but this specific like actual film you're only going to be able to see in certain cinemas in the US I don't know this is purely for the film bros which I am not but yeah. I, I can't and wait to see so they'd have to like bring it there in a back of an arctic truck or something like, like this that. is the thing like it's like how heavy is 600 pounds like that's it's just heavy. lofty like but yeah okay. a lot of hype around this so i'm looking forward is to it though? it's just also no but, like, but i mean the way he does these things it's, it's christopher you know, i know but like it's christopher yeah. nolan it's his first movie with universal after being at warner brothers studios for a while and like that name is enough i think to even get people to go like i remember going to see tennis during the pandemic when cinemas were kind of half open because I was like surely this will be an experience you know Christopher Nolan Interstellar all the Batmans and I came out of tennis and I was like that was a moving picture certainly I couldn't tell you what happened but at least this is actually based on a real life story. sound was terrible as well do you remember yeah. for tennis like I remember watching that at the press screen and then like there was me and Donald Clark and two other people from I think the Indo or something like, and all of us were like leaning forward at the screen like what are they saying what did they say? Because it was so loud. Because it was so loud, yeah. The, ma the, the sound mix was so bad. And I remember walking out and talking to the poor old um, the publicist. And I was like, I couldn't hear a thing in that entire film. I could just hear... And I was like, you may screen it again or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're screening it again. And I went to the second screening of it. And it was even worse. I was like, I'm going to have to take... Like, literally, like, try, like, hold up a sign and, like, fix the sound at the projector. But isn't that deliberate, though? He's it was deliberate. That was the whole thing. He said that it was deliberate. Like, Interstellar had it a bit as well, where, like, the sound mix was really off because he wanted to get the sense of scale from the rockets and all the rest of it. And, you know, when he's on the planet with the big, huge waves, he wanted to get all that. I don't know what it's going to be like with Oppenheimer. Because I, I, I always get the impression, Christopher, or like he, he, he's given all the money to make these really long uh, films. Right. And, and, and they, you know they look okay, but like... Come on now. When you, but they like, look very But nice. it's like a fellow who went off and learned a thesaurus. <laughs> he's no idea what any of the words mean. But he's spewing them out. Yeah, that's fair, yeah. And he's maybe not that bright at the end of the day. I mean, that's... Wow, we poor Christopher wow, Nolan, yeah. he's getting I mean, in the neck today. <laughs> 
we don't have time to unpack all of that. Yes. <laughs> but I'll disagree with you on principle. But okay, okay. that's, that's going to be a flimsy principle, though. I think. Well, like okay, I think the reality of it is is that he is trying to do something that has an actual textual texture-based kind of thing. Like you know the way you look at Interstellar and like it really does look like you're seeing it. It's all been caught in camera. The yeah. same with Oppenheimer as well, I'm sure. Like, he actually is probably out at Los Alamos, probably trying to blow up a real bomb. Yeah, he like, said there's no, like, special effects yeah. in how they actually did it. it like, when you watch, like, Dunkirk, for example, like, he really was using actual Spitfires and all the rest of it. He really did blow up a World War II aircraft carrier mm. to kind of get the effect of it. And I always appreciate that. Yes, does it kind of leave a bit to be desired in terms of, like, story and narrative? Sure, but, like, he is a director of spectacle in the same way that Kubrick was a director of spectacle. You look at 2001 and it's, you're watching a film. Yeah, that's true. And nobody has a clue what that was about. No, but like everyone remembers it though. I mean, everyone can talk about it. Like, so it's the same vibe, I think. Yeah. Well, hopefully Spider-Man will actually have a story that we can understand. We'll talk about that after this break. You and me, it's... We're the same. In the important ways. You know? In every other universe, Gwen Stacy falls for Spider-Man. And in every other universe, it doesn't end well. It's the first time for everything, right? Mm-hmm. There you go. That's uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. No, Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, Across the Spider-Verse. The last, last one was Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, Into the Spider-Verse. So yeah. in this one, they don't actually go into the Spider-Verse. They just, like, go across. But they're going across the Spider-Verse in this one. Yeah. And then the next one is they're going beyond the Spider-Verse. Okay. So it's into, across, beyond. Okay, so you can see there's a kind of a journey. Do they yes. have a bus? Yeah. yeah. No, cool. no bus. No yeah. spider bus. Although I yeah. feel like there should be a spider bus because there's every other type of Spider-Man in this. Like, that's the whole thing about these films is that it's the first, I think, comic book film I've seen. Well, for two reasons. First of all, it's the first comic book film I've seen that actually looks like a comic book. It is like watching a comic book sprung to life on a big, huge screen. And it's incredible. It's so well done. The art style in it is terrific. It really pops out. It looks beautiful and colorful. And it's just, it's it's terrific. Secondly is the fact that it actually plays, it actually uses what some people would consider a negative as a positive, which is there's been so many Spider-Men. I mean, Mm. there was Tobey Maguire, and then there was Andrew Garfield, and now there's Tom Holland, and there'll probably be another one in five years' time, and then there'll probably be another one in 10 years' time, and then there'll be another one in 25 years' time. And then in the comic books as well, like you had... In the first one, you had, like, Spider-Pig, who was voiced by John Mulaney. Then there was Spider-Man Noir, who was, like, this 1930s Humphrey Bogart detective Spider-Man, voiced by Nicolas Cage, which was brilliant. And then in this one, you have um, Oscar Isaac, who plays this character called Spider-Man 2099. And he's essentially tasked with trying to protect all of the multiple universes 
from this uh, supervillain called The Spot, who's played by Jason Schwartzman. People might know him from a lot of Wes Anderson films. Imagine, like, a Woody Allen character, but if he was a comic book supervillain, and that's what The Spot is. Like, really neurotic, really kind of, like, tetchy and, you know, touchy about the fact that, like, he's kind of a villain of the week and everything else. <laughs> um, and essentially what's going on is, is Miles Morales, who you saw there, uh, voiced by Shamik Moore, and Gwen Stacy, voiced by Haley Steinfeld. The two of them have to team up and take on The Spot because he's intent on becoming more and more powerful, and in order for him to become more and more powerful, he has to suck in all these multiverses into one big giant thing okay um you don't really need to follow the plot to enjoy it i think i think you can actually watch this and just be just sucked in by it because it's so expansive the voice cast like i say it's really really diverse like i said jason Schwartzman, jake johnson is in there as well uh Issa Rae is in there as well so it's really diverse it's really really over the top at times it can feel like it's over stuff like it goes for two hours and 20 minutes and towards the end, you do start to kind of feel a dragon a little bit mm. as well. And it ends on this cliffhanger that is pretty, like, egregious. Like, it's just like, boom, stop. You're going to have to wait for ah, God. Which I yeah. hate. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. than kind of bring it to a conclusion rather yeah. than, or at least bring it to a conclusion that can take off again. This just literally cuts mid-scene. And it's like, okay, you're going to have to wait two years now. So. Oh, God. Kind of a bit. Well, like it's animation, like, and it's all like hand drawn and all the rest of it. Like, so it takes time, and, and it is one of the again, it's one of these animated films I think where you can really see the human craft in it. Like, you can actually really see the hand touches. It's not like Disney Pixar films where they're all lovely and smooth and it's poreless and everything else. And it looked and it's funny and it's great or whatever, but you don't really kind of see any kind of human connection. Mm. When this, you actually really do see. Uh, the human hand in it. In the same way that you'd look at, like, Cartoon Saloon, for example, you'd look at Wolf Walkers, or you look at The Book of, or the Secret of Kells, or you look at that more recent one, um, My Father's Dragon, or even the Star Wars Visions one as well. You can really see the human hand in it. It's the same with this. Yeah, but, I, but I did, like, the first movie was kind of, apart from the kind of technical aspects of it, but it was... It had kind of harsh that most superhero movies yeah, don't have. Definitely. Like and I think that's the thing about it is like we're we really are hitting a moment now of superhero fatigue. Like it's just mm. I mean Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania was crap. Um it was. Like I mean you can see it on Disney Plus. Take don't take my word for it. Go watch it. Like it's terrible. Like Paul Rudd, like you couldn't save it. Um and you know, you have the flash coming out as well, and I mean they had to bring in Michael Keaton to try save it, like you know what I mean? Mm. Like, Michael Keaton, like the man's re- he's retired from Batman and they're reeling him <laughs> back in, like, you know. Not not to be ages, but yeah. it's just like, you know, his time has gone come and gone, I think, and they're really just trying to rely on nostalgia to keep these things going. But with um, these Spider-Verse films, I think they really do have a good like a, such a strong command of like you say, like heart, and like they really do have like a, a core to them. Like, and in this one, it's about how Miles Morales is kind of becoming a man and feels less and less connected to the people around him and has to kind of fight for his right to exist and his right to actually be in this world. And I think, considering that there are LGBT characters in this film as well, like Gwen Stacy, for example, I think that's a very potent thing, you know, like, and you see what's going on in the US how it's kind of really seems to be regressing, and there's a bit of that happening here as well. I think a film like this is really, really uh, potent at taking on that topic, but doing it in such a way that it's kind of, you know, 
under the, under the current. You don't have to go and watch it and take it all in. Yeah. You can just watch it for whatever it is, but you will see that kind of kernel of... Uh, the f- but the first movie kind of explained how he became to, came to be Miles comes to oh, be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just literally, just he got bit by yeah. a spider was yeah. from another dimension. The, you know, it, this movie, do, do you have to have watched the previous one to know what's going on here? I mean, it would help. It always will help. I mean, yeah. there's no point in saying it wouldn't. But, um, I mean, I would encourage people to go see the first, or to watch the first one anyway. It's really, really good. Like, it's, it won an Oscar. Like, and, mm. you know, generally speaking, animated Oscars, they just generally tend to go to Disney. Like, so for this to kind of break away, this is a Sony Columbia Pictures thing. For that to win is a big deal. That's really upsetting the Apple card. Like, and it's really, really good. They're both really, really good. Okay. Uh, that's good to hear. Now, for Nula, um, now, Nula, you'll be interested in this because you're a sailor. Piracy is on the up, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I love that link. Uh, yeah, it is. It's absolutely gone nuts. We've reached 215 billion illegal site visits last year. Like, that's probably what they paid Kim Cattrall to come back to, and just like that, you know what I mean? When we're talking about made-up numbers, like, it's just nuts. Um, so there's this organisation based in Britain, it's called Muso, and they claim to have the most, like, comprehensive data on uh, piracy, and they said there's, there was an 18% increase between 2021 and 2022 in piracy, so that covers, like, 480,000 films and TV shows, like, it's just so easy to get content illegally right now. Uh, the organisations who are trying to like clamp down on it, they've stopped. They recognise now that like targeting individuals who are downloading the odd movie doesn't really work. They need to be going after the guys who run the piracy sites and are making like again millions and billions and buying supercars off it. But what I thought was interesting from the report was that you know the way all the streamers come out, like we don't actually have any knowledge as to how much of streaming content people are watching because we only get the information from the streamers like a Netflix or Disney Plus come out Mm. and be like Bridgerton the most watched show ever 100 hours and we don't know what any of that data means and they don't release it and even some of the stars involved had said that they don't get sight on any of those numbers they've basically said that like you can actually track what people are like watching and what's actually popular based on what people are like actively pirating you know what I mean (laughs) so it's the likes of like Succession The White Lotus you know like it's the obvious ones, like it's effectively the largest VOD video on demand platform in the world. You've no like platform bias, no cost bias, no access bias. Like you see what people want to watch when there are no hindrances. And like there's kind of big discussions about this online as to why people are still pirating. And a lot of the reasons are, and we've talked about this on the show before, the fact that there are now 8,000 different streaming sites. And if you want to watch a different thing, it's on each individual one and you're paying an individual yeah. payment to that. Um, so yeah, like it's it's not they recognise that it's not going away, but yeah, they're trying to target the big guns as opposed to the little guy now. So yeah, yeah. Now I have a little one in my house who wants to see the Little Mermaid. Is it utter garbage? No, it's not terrible. It's just not very good. Like, I mean, it's there's a difference. No, there's a difference. Like. The original animated film was terrific, obviously. Everyone loved it. Ursula, mm. Under the Sea, You and Me, blah, 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 blah. The live-action version of it is basically the... Um, what if an AI... You just used an AI just to make a live-action version of The Little Mermaid. That's exactly what you'd get. It's, okay. There is nothing particularly exciting or original about it. It's just like watching a live-action version of The Little yeah, Mermaid. Yeah, it's getting know, pasted I've, on IMDb. Well, like, I've heard some positive reviews for it. But I'm not it saying it's bad. Like, I'm just, yeah, sorry. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like, what's, it, what's the music like? Grand. Oh, okay. Are you the target audience, though? No, no, no. She's no, no. not a no, you know, But, like, I can appreciate it. Was the, yeah. was the music... Is the music on The Little Mermaid as good as the music we had on today? No. That music is better. Yeah, I would say so. 
Yeah, it was. Actually, by the way, who here is a fan of, is anyone here a fan of the 1975? Okay, keep your hands up. This is Sophie, this is like a Hunger Games scenario. Sophie's going to run down the corridor qu quickly there. She's going to pick the person she wants to give a prize to. Oh my God. Yeah. Go. Hello. This what, is pure chaos. Gonna what's your name? Mary. Mary what? Clancy. Clancy. Okay, and uh, where are you from, Mary? Ballancolic. Okay. And wh uh, what do you do for a living? I do grinds. Really? As in teaching? Yes. Yeah. Are you one of the mob of teachers who are now on their holidays? Uh, not, not quite, but I'll, I'll be joining them soon. Okay. Right. And so, yeah, would you still be doing grinds? Presumably this is peak grind season, given they're all crap themselves. Yes, in the here and there. Yeah. Right. Okay. You're not, uh, you're not also a spy, because I get the sense <laughs> that you wouldn't crack under interrogation very easily, I would have thought. <laughs> oh, see? <laughs> Our, uh, so you are a fan of the 1975? Yes. Why? Uh, they sing about chocolate and other lovely things. Right, okay, so we're going to give you two tickets to the 1975 at Musgrave Park on the 13th of June, plus some of today's wine and goodies from Marks and Spencers. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> right, congratulations uh, to Mary. Right, uh, let's have our, our third rosé, Mick. Third rosé. So this one is called Burra Brook, and you can basically guess where it's from. It's from South East Australia. Um, but this, this happens to be, if... We have the Vigna Verde as breakfast and the Provence as lunch. You can guess where this one is. This okay. is definitely dinner. It is the richest of the, of the lot. It's also the cheapest of the lot. We had 11.75 for Vigna Verde, 13.50 for the Provence, and this one's 8.25. This is, this is my favorite. Okay. I, I, I really love this. And who knew I was such a cheap date? Yeah. But it, 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 this is quite full-bodied for a rosé. And you were saying earlier, you made a little jibe about, you know, brosé, etc. This, this is a lad's rosé. Right, okay. Yeah, this you is... were saying the other one was the lad's rosé. They're all lad's bros. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Provence is the one that's definitely famous. Mm. But I mean, I can see lads drinking pints of this in the pub. Right. Which is probably how they drink it there. Which, which, is, how, which yeah. is how they should drink it. Yes. So South East Australia is... is you know, it's the workhorse of, of the Australian wine industry. It, it produces a lot of wine. Um, but the lady who's behind this wine, Belinda, I was actually judging a wine competition with her last week, and she is really, really good. Right, at judging wine. At judging wine. Yeah. <laughs> like, she just goes, look at you, your shoes are ridiculous. Now, her, she, she's a fantastic judge, but the, the, as a winemaker, this is, this is brilliant. Yeah. When you're judging wines, how many wines do you have to judge? About 75 in a day. <laughs> but do you spit it out, though? Don't you have the little bucket? You, like? you definitely spit it out. So it, yeah, but a little, <laughs> bit it's still, a little bit, it still go down. A yeah, but there's like no a, way you can prevent that. Yeah. He, uh, basically, cumulatively, over the course of a day, he's drunk like, you mm. know, seven bottles of wine. This is great. <laughs> to, to, to be honest, it's the five pints after that does the damage. Yeah, that's true. You have to be balanced about these things. Is it right. like when you walk out and you hit like the air? Do you just like, like it's, it's, fall over? It's like. the exact same effect as walking out of a cinema. You're like, yeah, it's two o'clock in the day. What? God, smart. you do it. You know, what time do you start at? It's Nine a.m. Wow. Yeah, you would Nine think two. in our industry that we wouldn't be up at 9 a.m., but but funnily enough, we are. Yeah, that's and because you haven't gone to bed yet. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, let's move on to our uh, second movie. It is reality. Here's a clip. Reality. What if I said that I have the information to suggest that you did print out stuff that was outside of that scope? I mean, I would 
I would try to remember. Okay. What if I said that you printed out information related to uh, reports on... Reality. We obviously know a lot more than than what we're telling you at this point. And I think I think you know a lot more than what you're telling us at this point. I don't want you to go down the wrong road. I think you need to to stop and think about what you're saying and what you're doing. I think it, it, it it's an an opportunity to maybe tell the truth because t- telling a telling a lie to an FBI agent is not going to be the right thing. Okay, uh, you know, uh, again, we're here voluntarily, we're talking voluntarily. I'm not asking you, forcing you to do anything, but think. That that that's what I'm asking you to do is think. So, mm-hmm. think about what he just asked you, and let you know. There's one I uh, printed out because I wanted to read it. Right. Yeah. That last bit actually probably wouldn't work as well on radio, but yeah. you could really feel the tension looking at the pictures there. That's it, yeah. yeah. Like, it is, when you watch it, like, it's very much one of these films that you actually feel kind of sick from how kind of tense it is. It's really queasy. And, I mean, that's, like, what you're watching there is, like, 60% of the film. It's just her with the two FBI agents in the room, and they're just grilling her nonstop. And is this in her house? Or? In her house, yeah. Like, she literally, like, the film starts when, literally, when the FBI agent turns on the record and then pops it into his pocket. That's how you know the film has started. Mm. Because it's based on the actual FBI transcript. And that bit there when you saw when she kind of like disappeared, that was a redacted part of the transcript. So you didn't actually... It wasn't in the official record. Ah. Nobody knows what they actually said there. So... It's, when you first see that for the first time, it's really jarring because up until that point, it's all about veracity. It's all about verisimilitude. You're seeing everything as it happened. And then it just, bam, gone. And you're like, what the, what, what's going on kind of thing? It's really scary. Like. But also as well is, is the fact that... Um, you did very well. Uh, you just swerved past the F word there. That was like, you skillfully <laughs> done. I've got radio I thought I got caught early in the hypnotic brass and something. I was talking to one of them and I was cursing like a sailor. No offense. Um... But that's why I kept the interview with Nula Short. I'm yeah, too worried. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those dirty sailors. Yeah, going from port to port. Um, but yeah, so it's no reality. Is one of those films. I think that you know it's 82, 83 minutes long. So it's very focused. There's not a like an ounce of fat on it. It's very Spartan. Even the house that she lives in. And and what they've turned up in her house because what she accused of doing. She's accused. Of, well, she wasn't accused. She was convicted. She actually got the longest conviction. Uh, in U.S. history for releasing government information to the public. Um, She was accused and convicted of releasing this NSA report about Russian interference in the 2018 election. 2016. 2016, sorry, God, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2016 election. And um, 
the reason why she did it, I mean, she talks about it in the film, is that uh, the company that she was working for was contracted by the NSA. She was a translator, but she had access to the entire NSA network, if you like. And the company that she was working for were blasting Fox News all on the TVs and the thing. And the entire time she was there, she was hearing them saying, oh, Russian interference was a lot of, was a lot of you know what? Yeah. yeah, a lot of hooey and it's not true and all the rest of it. And she was like, no, it's true. I've literally got it on my screen here. And she sent this report anonymously to an outlet in the US called The Intercept. Um, and they, pu- they actually didn't even publish it before the FBI were on our case literally straight away and had her arrested. And she wasn't Mirandized. That's where they say you have the right to remain silent and mm. blah, 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 blah. The whole case basically stank to high heaven. And the kind of the postscript of the film is her basically being arrested. And then the very next day she was arrested. Um, members of the U.S. Congress were repeating everything that she said or everything that she released. So it was already a fact of public domain yeah. and she didn't even need to be yeah. do five years in prison. For I, it, it strikes me this is actually don't go and Google what happened before you see the film. No, but I mean, it's, you, you don't have to, but I mean, it's, it's better. It's actually one of those few films that it actually is better if you go in knowing what's going yeah. on because it really then makes it about her performance. Sydney Sweeney is brilliant in this. She is so good. And like I was saying, I was saying earlier, like the camera is literally like that, like far, far, so you see every little twitch. And when they say something, you can see her like, like, like almost like clam up or do something else. Like it's so, so good. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Right. That's our lot uh, for Ooh, today. Sorry, uh, I'm afraid. Uh, sorry, it was uh, rattling on there. Oh no, not at all. Uh, thanks to Fenuil and Kevin and Mick, um, or Brian and Mick, I should say. Uh, uh, thanks to thanks to the Triscoll, of course. It's always lovely to be here. Such a fantastic venue, and uh, our friends in Marks and Spencers. Movies and booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk.